Power Ballad Friday back. And it really felt like a Pete Satira Eden to me. Did it feel like that to you, Joe? Oh, I've got my torch on my phone, waving it in the air. It's well, what not, a song. Not what quite, a build. But you are what you are waving. <laughs> you are swaying from side to side, so I've made you do that. Yeah. Look, I'm not quite sure what the song says, but what an anthem. It's by Chicago, who, by the way, just hated it. But it launched the career of the unlikely star, Pizza Terra. So let's just breathe in the power of our fumes for 10 seconds. Here we go. David, this must be on your CD rotate as you drive down Transmission Gully in the Chimera. Uh, uh, sadly not, because uh, my rotate tends to be US politics podcasts, which <laughs> tells me a lot about the sadness <laughs> of, of uh, my priority. I do do with Spotify, uh, but I, I let people do the choosing it's for me. It's all podcasts about US politics. There you go. And isn't that interesting? We could talk about that for a while, but uh, there we have it. All right. Uh, that, by the way, that's enough of Power Ballad. Ballad, ballad. That's, that's plenty. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, now, Grant Robinson apparently described the stated Premier House as like an 80s motel. So that sums it up there. Um, now, in about 10 minutes' time, we talk, talk. Our question of the day is Did you ever sneak into a concert? Um, and people were saying the morality of that. But, you know, you've done it. Everyone's done it sort of maybe once or twice, surely, in their life. Uh, my boyfriend and I and about 10 others busted through the doors and guards of the Wellington Town Hall when the Clash played London's Calling. Um, Tim has a message for you. Joe, I hope you don't mind. The outrage is so strong from your lefty because they hate rich people. It's obvious. Oh, thanks, Tim. <laughs> I, I, I have many Just, rich friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good on you. All right, uh, the panel. Uh, NZ National. Let's go straight into I've been thinking, Joe. Take it okay, away. this is actually a tip. It's a it's a tip that was passed on to me by my father, Hugh. Um, he, he, my mother felt that the soda stream was not making the water fizzy enough, and so my father saw a tip in the Dull Men's Club, which is that um, CO two is more soluble. I think it's twice as soluble in water at zero degrees Celsius. So he put the water in the freezer right up until ice starts to melt, and then you soda stream it, and you get fizzier water. Better living, everyone. That is my Friday fizzy water tip. Do a quick take B for those who are um, in the kitchen right now. If you're in the kitchen put, right now put, and you've got your tomato, soda stream, yeah. go put some water in the freezer until it's just on freezing, so ice just starting to form but still water, and then put your soda stream bubbles in. And because the CO2 is more soluble, um, you will have fizzier water. Oh. Did you know that when I was growing up, um, paradise didn't mean a big holiday to Fiji. Paradise didn't mean a great house with two stories. It didn't even mean having a swing ball or a Steve Austin doll. Paradise for me meant owning a soda stream so you could have fizzy anytime you wanted. Anytime you wanted. That was back when you put the syrups in. Now That's people it. just make the water. Oh, really? Maybe yeah. some people use the syrup still, but I just put the oh, water in. Oh, do you have a soda stream? We still do syrup. Oh, yes. Do you not have a soda stream? Is it good? Is it it good? was like the air fryer before air fryers were a thing. <laughs> David, do you have a soda stream? 
We do have a soda stream. I only get the sugar-free ingredients for it. But, yeah, uh, Wrigley Makeup uh, Soda Streams. I'm going to try that little tip about freezing the water first because uh, that sounds a very good yeah. trick. Nice one. All right, got a joke. David Farrer, I've been thinking. Well, I saw an interesting tweet the other day, and it was about how Blockbuster who used to be a video rental chain, used to employ 80,000 people. And that's a staggering number. And the point they were making is that, this is in the US, is people go on about, we have to somehow save the mining industry there. They've lost 80,000 jobs. But no one ever says, oh, we need to save the home video rental industry. They've lost 80,000 jobs. And yeah, the sort of relevance, I guess, to what we're going through at the moment is when you think about the struggles the media are having and the tragic closure with News Hub. But, you know, the future of free-to-air television in a digital age does look very challenging. But the good news is I was involved with internet policy in the late 90s, early 2000s, when the music and TV and movie industry said the internet's going to destroy our businesses and there were laws to to try and protect their business models. And actually what we've ended up with is I think far better for both the industries and the consumers with streaming, a totally different business model. Now, so, so yeah, when you think about, you know, we also want to preserve the way things are, but when you think about, you know, 80,000 jobs and home video rentals, uh, which no longer exist, okay. it's hard to sort of say, well, we should be turning the clock. Okay, your journalist, Joe, so basically David Farrow is essentially saying news have closed and whatever, uh, other companies uh, suffer losses. Your thoughts? I think there's a, I think there's a difference between... Um, journalism and home movie rentals. I think there's a fundamental difference. I think um, journalism is a way of um, sharing truth. And I think you can le- you can level legitimate claims at things the media have done. You can say this, you know, there's media you don't engage with. But I'd say on the whole, um, people who hold to some professional standard do a better job of ser- sharing information than people who simply have a personal agenda. Do you want to respond to that, David? Well, Look, journalism's important, and like I said, news have a tragic, but I found it interesting. I just realised the other day, I am now paying many hundreds of dollars a year. I never have paid for a subscription to the local newspaper. Uh, what? But I subscribe Shouldn't to you be? who have substack columns like Nate Silver, the polling guru, couple of local people, etc. So I am paying for journalism. I am paying for good What analysis. about your local journalism, David? You should be supporting your Wellington journalism. Well, uh, that's the thing. I pay for what um, I think is worth paying for. Just find out what happened locally. Uh, that's not something I'm going okay. to necessarily pay for. Expert analysis, opinion... Uh, which resonates, that makes you think, etc. So we do need to be a bit careful between just saying uh, this means journalism is finished as opposed to this means the model of funding journalism is under great stress and is is changing. Well, our next guest has been waiting. Plus side, we've now got Newsroom, we've got the spin-off. Both have been very profitable, very successful. Um, There's a great diversity out there. That doesn't make up, though, for losing, let me not minimise the sure. idea of only one TV channel running news is not good for a country. Uh, but, you know, 
it's very hard to resist the massive impact of what the internet's done to the advertising okay. market. Well, kia ora, David, for that. And uh, speaking of uh, local news, let's go to Wellington now. Wellington City Council is forging on with the deal to buy the land under the earthquake-prone Reading Cinema on Courtney Place, despite some public scrutiny. The $32 million deal would give the council ownership over the land, which they would then lease back to the cinema company and invest in the needed strengthening work. Mayor Tori Farno has defended the deal, while other councillors, such as Iona Panett, presented a motion to revoke the deal, saying it would be giving corporate welfare to a multinational private company. With us is Wellington... Um, Wellington comedian, sorry, Wellington satirist and columnist, Dave Armstrong. Dave, thanks for waiting for us. Kira Wallace, nice to talk to you. Oh, great to have you here, Dave. This has been a really fascinating and long-running saga. You've written some interesting opinion pieces about this. Explain explain this to us. What's the sentiment amongst Wellingtonians on this deal? A waste of time, money? Well, one of the most fascinating things about uh, about the deal, I think overall it's negative. But what's fascinating about it is that it's not really a left-right issue. There are people on mm. the left that think it's an absolute waste of money. It's corporate welfare. Uh, the taxpayers' union, um, I'm not a big fan of the deal. Um, and yet there's right-wingers like uh, Tim Brown and uh, John Apanovich on the council, as well as uh, the mayor and some on the left that think it's wonderful. So it's a it's really split the uh, the alliances, if you like. Um, I mean, the, the four Labour councillors, three voted for it, one voted against it. One was strongly against it. So, um, yeah, I think overall it's a negative. But you know, you don't, you can't tell really uh, straight away. A lot of people got the recent by-election yeah. wrong. So, you know, it's it's. I, I I wouldn't say everyone's against it, but most of the people I've spoken to uh, are, are against it. Do people view it as a bailout? Well, basically, it's an asset sale. If you if you work it all out, what's going to happen is uh, Wellington City Council don't want to extend their debt, so they're going to sell their ground leases. Then they're going to uh, buy the land under reading with a sweetheart clause that means reading can watch it gain in capital value, reno- use the money to renovate, and then buy it back from the council. And I suspect if, it, if, it's, if they buy it back for 32, it will probably be worth 50. But the sum total at the end of all of that is Wellington City Council has less assets than it used to have. Yeah, well, David Farrow, you're a fellow Wellington resident. What's your take? Well, very aligned on this issue, which might be rare with Dave, but <laughs> very rare, <laughs> very, very indeed. Look, the the land value in normally doubles every ten years, so this is a great deal for reading. They could, yeah, you know, even if they do nothing, they're going to double their value in ten years, get the land back uh, for that. There were people willing to do commercial deals with Reading, but Reading, you know, good on them, said, no, no, we've got council desperate to do this deal, so so we, we don't want a commercial deal. And what's unfortunate is it set a precedent. There's hundreds of building owners in Wellington who have had earthquake damage, who can't afford to rebuild. Some of them can't even be allowed to demolish because somehow the people in charge have said this is a heritage building, even if it's a rusty storage tank. And are they all going to get sweetheart deals too? Uh, so, mm. so I think it sets a bad precedent. You know, the motivations are good. You know, it would be nice if Courtney Place was a bit more lively and if it was safer, etc. But, you know... 
$32 million to a US company that's got half a billion dollars in assets when we can't afford to pay for all the leaking pipes? Yeah, is not right. good. Okay, stay there, David. Let's bring Joe in. Well, I guess my question, Dave, is what are the other options? I mean, it seems to me if this doesn't happen, the threat is reading will just hold that space hostage for 10 years and yes, leave you're it. you're dead right. Yep, you're dead right. We have a rating system in, in Wellington that does not, that um, despite our councillors wanting to intensify and have housing, we have a rating system that privileges people that do nothing with their land and let it gain in capital value. If we had land-based rates, which actually uh, Jody Rogers, who just got elected and then voted for the Reading Centre campaigned on, we would be, you would have to pay the same amount of rates if you were developing the, the, government, uh, the building or not. So uh, Laurie Foon just recently said once the Reading Centre was up and making money, it would be paying a million-dollar rates a year. Well, you know, if you want to stop land banking, make them pay a million dollars now. They'll sell it to a developer, yeah. probably a local developer, who'll do something with it. And that's the whole argument for land-based rates is that it makes people get rid of land they're not doing anything with. So I agree about the timing. But, um, you know, how long has Reading sat on uh, yeah. that land? How long has the Amora Hotel sat on that land? There's no, I don't blame them. There's no incentive financially um, to, to change the rating system. So they could um, just, as, yeah, sorry, no, they could just sit there because the wider, yeah. I, w- I wanted to bring this up while we had time, David, the wider issue really is the state of Courtney Place. Yep. It really, something has to be done. The Wellington City Council, would you agree something needs to happen? Well, something has been done. They've done up the St James and it's fantastic. They've done up, They've made the Hannah Playhouse the venue. They've mm. got to do more of that. But really, you know, to be honest, cinema complexes where you buy popcorn and watch blockbusters is pretty 90s. It's not really the way Gen Y especially mm. are going. The idea that because these 30-something councillors all went to the movies when they were 16. Kids are staying at home watching on big screens and, and you know, not, not going to Hollywood. Hollywood's dying in, in some ways. Blockbusters, they're watching Netflix. So I think this is yet another example of the council right. being about 10, 15 years behind. I mean, they subsidised Singapore Airlines because airlines were cool. They wanted an airport runway extension because, you know, climate change didn't exist. You know, this is uh, unfortunately with democracy, uh, your politicians are obviously uh, are, are sometimes a little behind the the sort of public sentiment. Yeah, they're creating the world they grew up in. Yeah, yeah, they they think they want kids to come and have popcorn. Well, kids don't do that anymore. <laughs> and I'm all I'm all for doing up Courtney Place, but and not watching Rambo two or watching Marvel movies. <laughs> Or seeing, seeing the, watch, they, the newly released Rambo the, 2. They can go to the Embassy Theatre <laughs> and get people like Mark um, uh, um, uh, Dunacic to do, up, do it up. He'll probably do it gladly and watch Blockbusters anyway. Classic. I mean, since, since it's like David Wright, it's like home videos. You know, since the reading has, has closed, it hasn't, people haven't gone, oh, I wish I could go to reading, actually. They've just done other things. But right. I don't really see it as, there are ways you could revitalise. Well, gonna, Dave, can I just gonna, jump in? Yeah. I'm going to say that uh, I miss it because there was a great noodle shop called Kamiya Sato Noodles in their complex, and it was my go-to place in Wellington, so there well, you go. Well, you, you, that's good, and you've identified another, prob- another problem. That closed down before reading closed down. Oh, okay. So it didn't survive. So we've got food banks in Wellington that are ghost yeah. towns. Right. And, that used and there was to be what calls was in there and they yes, closed right. down. They were oh. starting to empty out shops. So there's no guarantee. Oh, okay. Yes. 
there's no guarantee that you build a reading centre that all those clients will come back because they might not make any money. Hey, Dave, this is so good. It's so interesting. Um, maybe you could come back. Could you, could, you do, uh, could you come back to the panel maybe in four weeks and do an I Have a Dream speech? And out- <laughs> <laughs> I have a dream because you, well, you're so passionate uh, about your your city. Um, uh, I have a dream of a Courtney place where I can get reasonably priced noodles. Yeah, or, yeah. or, or where there's street theatre, people that are funny, actually funny, doing stand up. Sit down with Wallace and have Camille, Cambodian cuisine. <laughs> It'd be great. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, Dave, kia ora. Nice to have you on the programme. Appreciate it. Lovely to talk to you guys. Thanks yep. a lot. Uh, Dave Armstrong uh, there on uh, where... Uh, but you, why don't, why don't um, you email me, the panel at rnz.co.nz. Where is Courtney Place headed? If you are a Wellingtonian, um, what should it look like, feel like? Yeah, you do, I mean, obviously, I think what everyone wants is for it to be used in usable space because yeah. that sort of empty neglect just becomes exponentially worse. You immediately see this huge surge of antisocial behaviour. A couple of nice small places, though, aren't there? Uh, there's that Hummingbird Bar, David, which is a quite a cute little bar. There are places there. Yeah, Hummingbird was my local for many years. Right. The, you know, 1, 2 a.m. when you're still wanting to carry on the conversation, etc. We have to be careful, though, as Dave said, though. There's a few other issues around the central city. Uh, people don't feel as safe as yeah. they used to. There's more uh, begging, slight intimidation, people sleeping in doorways. So let's do what mm. we can, but don't think again that just putting a movie cinema back there is going to mean that Courtney Place returns to what it used to be. Okay, got him. Uh, Wallace and the panel, I've been in Premier House twice, both during Helen Clark's residence for Labour Party functions. The second time was because a Labour Party fundraiser in Wellington received a bomb threat. Uh, I got to Premier House quickly, so I was the first one there. The auction items were already in the dining room, and I was viewing them. Then Helen arrived with a takeaway box and sat down at the dining room table, and we chatted. It was quite the magical night. Uh, the two pieces of art I bought still grace my walls. Eight away from seven on this evening's panel with Joe McCarroll and David Farrer. Loving your company this evening, and I love your feedback. Thank you so much for it. Now to this. Yesterday on the program, we discussed research published in the British Medical Journal that identified risk of 32 damaging health outcomes from reliance on ultra-processed foods. It was actually quite fascinating, the sort of ultra-processed stuff, your, your highly salted crackers and that type of thing. Well... Vegetables NZ has just launched a new initiative encouraging New Zealanders to add one more veggie to their daily diet. According to their health and education manager, most New Zealanders don't meet those recommendations. With us is Vegetables NZ Chair John Murphy. Kia ora, John. It kind of times nicely, uh, as I mentioned to you uh, before on this, you know, going from uh, ultra processed food now to talking about, you know, New Zealand fresh veggies. What sparked the idea for this campaign? Well, basically, we've we've always known that five plus vegetables a day is where we want everyone to be. Uh, But people find that a bit of a hurdle. Mm. And so when we saw the research from Otago University that really explicitly laid out that an extra serve per day had such massive benefits, we had to say, well, how do we get there? And so what we're trying to do is say there's easy ways to add one more vegetable, 
We don't need to make it too serious. We don't need to guilt ourselves into eating 100 vegetables a day. Yeah. What we can do is start with one more, and then we, we're all healthier, we're all leading better lives, and away, away we go. So I hope that the, the person who texted in before about um, meeting Helen Clark in Premier House and having takeaways the tomato in there as well, or something like that. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, that modelling you referred to from Otago University saying, look, if all Kiwis ate just one more veggie a day, it could save our health system hundreds of millions of dollars over the lifespan of the population. And I myself, you know, working hard, um, one does forget about the fresh vegetable, David Farah. This is a timely reminder to always include them or try to include them. Well, I'm a bit lucky because I usually, for my kids, use HelloFresh. So rather than have to sort of oh. think about it, they do really great balanced meals. They have veggies or salad with them, etc. Um, there is a greater challenge, which is to convince the four and the seven-year-old to eat any of their vegetables, let alone all of them. To say it's a daily battle would be understating the <laughs> nature of it, etc. Uh, but there has, yeah, and I'm not alone there. I think there's hundreds of thousands of households now who actually do use HelloFresh, my food bag, etc. Okay, that. That, I think, is quite useful for making sure you get more balanced nutrition than perhaps we used to do when we were just throwing lamb chops on the fryer. <laughs> Stay there, John. Joe. Well, unsurprisingly, because I'm a very keen gardener, I'm quite a veggie stan, and I always think you should try and put a vegetable into every meal. Like, you should have a vegetable with your breakfast, you should have a vegetable with your lunch. Hang on, a with, with a breakfast? Yeah, like spinach with eggs, or if you make a smoothie... You might put you know right. a bit of um, spinach or silver beet or something in it, in it. You know, quite, it's not that hard. Mm. I, I want to uh, ask John because that five plus a day that's been around for many, many. It's a, it's a very old campaign. Do you think, in a way, New Zealanders have kind of dropped the ball or closed their eyes and ears to that message? We've kind of forgotten the fundamentals. Uh, I don't think so. I think mm. everyone knows that we should be doing that and. All the expert advice says more vegetables are better. And yeah. vegetables are quite unique like that. But if you can just make it a little bit less serious and come up with some easy solutions, then it's great. So um, we, we were late earlier this week getting home, my wife and I. And so we were um, chicken and chips um, in the oven from the supermarket and, and had corn cobs. And, Good on and you. The corn, the corn went first. Kids wanted more. Yeah, my little junior loves his corn cob. That's a really great tip. So if you have a bit of takeaway, add you could add a quick salad, John, or you could add a corn cob. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's just it. And quite often you're looking for for solutions of how to fill up a lunchbox for a kid as well. So um, carrots, you can buy them chopped up already, or or you can yeah. chop them up yourself if you feel inclined. But but even something as simple as a sausage sizzle outside my channel Bunnings, if they ask if you want onions, then give it a go. They taste really good. What about frozen vegetables, John? Well, they have been shown to be nutritionally really good as well, and so we're a fan of adding them as well. So, because I'm just is, thinking about things like the frozen. I mean, this is a bit. I don't know if it might fall in the ultra process, but things like frozen cauliflower rice. You know, if you're having a takeaway, that you could just substitute that. It's still cauliflower. Yeah, yeah. Look, and, and that's not ultra processed. So, ultra processed is about having the majority of the food is ingredients from other sources, and mm. so. Really, that, that is key. But, of course, we want 
New Zealand fresh vegetables to, to be at the heart of all nice one. And it's really good value if you look at the abundant food. Here, here. I totally agree. Hey, John, kia ora. Nice to have you on the programme. I do appreciate you've been with us Friday evening. That's Vegetables NZ Chair John Murphy. So what does that mean for us, David? Does that mean we go, you go and um, uh, you, you, you open the air fryer, um, you, you put a bit of parboiled, what would it be, um, Brussels sprouts? Kumra slices, that type Actually, of thing. Kumra's one of my favourite veggies to do. I do have an air fryer. It was a oh, you do. Christmas fruit. And a soda stream. So I have soda stream and <laughs> air fryer. The absolute <laughs> bougie dream. Do you, is, it, is it a good appliance to have? We've been talking about this with my wife. Do, do you recommend an air fryer? Yeah, it's very simple and easy to do, etc. It's not, yeah, don't use it for everything, etc. But when 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 you're doing the right meals, yeah, very very easy to use. I don't have an air fryer. I'm somehow piecing some sort of life together without an air fryer. What's your favourite veggie, Joe? Oh, I love vegetables. I love vegetables. I think this isn't a vegetable, but I think a salad which has like five to ten different leaves in, it's going to change your life. Love it. Pickled onions. That's mine. Is that even a vegetable? I don't know. I'll find out. Well, the <laughs> listeners will tell me. Anyway, <laughs> David Farrow, thank you so much. Joe McCarroll, kia ora to you. A big thank you to my producer, Sam Hollis. Stick around. I'm with you after seven. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.